My name is Pastor Harris. I'm the lead pastor here at First Open Bible. It's my honor this morning to bring God's word to you. And uh, it's awesome. Here is Christmas Eve and here we are this morning. Hello. just want to hear it ring. Hello. Echo. We're concluding our Christmas series this morning titled, Behold, a Savior is Born. Now this Advent, we've been focusing on Jesus from the manger to the cross. All month long, we've focused on all the reasons we celebrate, not just tomorrow, not just on Christmas Day, but all the reasons that we celebrate all year long. Jesus' birth and his sacrifice on a cross is the greatest gift that has ever been given. Amen. Amen? Hallelujah. Traditionally, the four weeks preceding Christmas in the Christian church is known as a season of Advent. Advent is a time of waiting, expecting, and anticipating the arrival of Jesus. Now, God's people waited for a Savior who would come and rescue and restore a broken creation. They held on to hope because God one day would stay true to His promise. Christmas time is the fulfillment of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years of prophetic predictions about the coming of the Messiah who would change the world. Today, we conclude our series, Behold, a Savior is born. This morning, we're going to talk about a biblical peace that comes from God and, and about how we should wait for the second advent of Christ. Amen? Some of y'all thought we were just going to come here this morning and hear the same old Luke story, but God's got a story this morning for you. He's, he's got a word for you. Amen? Any, anybody come in here this morning a little weary, a little down, a little exhausted? Come on, truth tellers. Raise your hand there like you care. Hey. You can do the hey. Some of y'all know. Some of y'all aren't weird. Man, I've had a cu couple hard weeks these last couple weeks. The, the month of December is by far the most busiest time of the year for me. It, it is insane. And, and there's been a lot of things that have been real heavy. Um, a lot of things dealing with, personal, professional, right? And uh, sometimes we just keep on trucking and we can lose sight of why we're doing what we're doing. Can't we? Right? Anybody feel like that this morning? Sometimes you just lose sight of what's important. Amen? Lose sight. Miss Marilyn, I'm taking that huh, as a amen, girl. Amen. I feel you. I, that, that's me. Amen. Church, you know, when I look around, when I turn on the news, when I get on social media, when I talk to people, peace is not on the top of the list. Sometimes it's not even on the list. Now, we currently live in a world full of chaos, confusion, frustration, and fear. Everyone desires to have peace. Everybody. But so many can't seem to find a peace that lasts. You know, the peace that's offered in Jesus is far different from the peace this world offers. 
The world can only provide a momentary sense of calm. God's perfect peace never ends. In fact, once God's peace is found, there's not a circumstance on planet Earth that can change it. There's not a circumstance that can take it away. The world constantly creates trouble in the midst of peace. Amen? Amen. But God brings peace in the midst of every trouble. God's peace is without confusion and it's without fear. Everybody that's been walking through some things in the last few days, hours, or even weeks, including myself, I need God's peace. Amen? You need God's peace? Hallelujah. Now this world tells us peace is the absence of conflict. But the Bible tells us true peace is found in the presence of God. Christmas is all about God's peaceful presence. God's peace is without confusion. God's peace is without fear. Now what do you suppose would happen in our lives if we paid attention to God's commands and we continued to stay in His presence? What do you think would happen? Well, God told us in His Word what would happen. Let's read it. Amen. Isaiah 48, the first part of verse 18, it says this. Isaiah is in the Old Testament. He's a prophet and he's got a whole book. And if you haven't read the book of Isaiah, it is powerful. This is what chapter 48, that's the big numbers in your Bible. The little numbers are the verses. The Bible wasn't written in verses and chapters. It was written as one long document. Each and every book was written, just keeps on flowing. But we have it like that, so that way we know where to look. So I don't just say, turn in your Bible somewhere and find this thing, right? It'd be really hard to find. But here's what the Bible tells us. What would happen if we paid attention to God's commands and if we continued to stay in His presence? Isaiah 48, 18, the first part of this verse says, If only you had paid attention to my commands. This is God talking. Your peace would have been like a river. Peace like a river? That's an interesting concept. I thought a lot about this concept this week gave it a lot of time, this statement that's in God's Word. Now, if we're honest, we might admit the thinking a peaceful person is somebody who's probably a little boring, quiet, and frankly, they're a little lifeless at times. They're so peaceful, right? Are the lights on? But hey, they're peaceful. <laughs> Praise God, brother. Praise God. We might think, I'm going to forego peace because I don't want to be like that. I want to have an exciting life. I don't want my life to be lifeless. See, God's Word does not say we have to have peace like a still, calm pond. The Bible says that we can have peace that's like a river. This is what the Bible says. If you pay attention to God's commands, your peace will be like a river. Interesting. See, a river is a moving stream of water, and very few bodies of water are more exciting than a river. 
Okay, like whitewater. Anybody gone whitewater rafting before? When I was a kid in Oregon, we went whitewater rafting. So fun. Terrifying and fun. That's exactly what life should be like. <laughs> Terrifying and fun all at the same time. Ah, right? I love this. I love that. <laughs> hey, if you, if you need to build up your prayer life, go whitewater rafting. <laughs> Praise God. Like white water found in a river, God's peace can give us an active, exciting life without suffering through the calm and stale, lifeless life that some people think we're supposed to have. You know what a river also is? It's refreshing. Believers. Peace is submission to a trustworthy authority. It is not resignation from activity. Let me show that now. Believers, peace is submission to a trustworthy authority. It is not resignation from activity. To have peace like a river is to have security and tranquility while meeting many bumps and unexpected turns in our life. The peace you experience in your life will be supplied by whatever source feeds it. Every river is a body of fresh water that is fed from another fresh water source. So to experience peace like a river, we need to be fed the fresh living water of God. Now the Old Testament prophet Isaiah, he writes to a group of people, maybe like ourselves this morning, and he writes to a group of people who are losing their way and they're in need of some hope. These people need God's peace. They need a peace that's like a river. And this is what he writes in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7. In the NLT it says this, For a child is born to us, a son is given, right? Jesus was given to us, by the way. And this is what it says. It says, The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called, when we sang it, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Verse 7. His government, which, praise God, we need, his government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all of eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. Wow. This child that Isaiah tells his readers about is the Prince of Peace. The peace that brings something beyond an ordinary worldly peace. This peace transcends, it goes beyond our human understanding. Here's what the Bible says in Philippians. This is a book in the New Testament, chapter 4, verse 7. Paul tells us, when you experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can even understand, right? Anything we can even understand, his peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? It means this, no matter what you face, God's peace is there. No matter what storm you are in, God's peace is there. No matter what chaos is around you, God's peace is there. But here's the question. 
Are you following his commands? And are you in his presence? See, to have peace like a river, our peace must come from an active, ongoing, obedient relationship with the Prince of Peace. What source does your peace come from? Or maybe you don't have a source and that's why you don't have peace. Got good news for you today. You can. Now what's cool is God's peace is not a noun, church. God's peace is a verb. Anybody else just think of that DC Talk song right there? Just playing. I don't have the dance down yet. Love is a verb. But you know what? God's peace is a verb. See, God's peace is active and it's a moving peace. It is not still or stagnant. It is not without life or conflict. No, God's peace is dynamic, refreshing, and it's powerful. So if you need his peace in your life right now, if that's you, say, hey. I think it's time to start trusting that God is who he says he is. I think it's about time that we start trusting and believing God is who he says he is. See, in 1 Peter 5, 7, it says, Give all your worries and cares to God. Why? For he cares about you. You don't got peace because you haven't given up the things that you need to give up. You haven't laid it in his lap. I read something this morning that, that um, a wonderful person here at church sent me and, uh, and, it, and, it, and it says, why do we raise our hands uh, when we worship? Well, don't you raise your hands when you want your father to pick you up? Don't you raise your hands if you need a little bit of peace this morning? I mean, the Bible tells us to raise holy hands, to worship him. Some of y'all wonder, what's going on in the house today, man? We're, we're trying to worship like the Bible tells us to worship. Amen. Trying to be obedient to that. I want to be obedient to God, and I, I, I need to start trusting God is who he says he is. Now, Christmas is a time that reminds us that the Prince of Peace has come, and his peace will never end. A child is born to us. Emmanuel is here. The Christian life Jesus was born and he died for was never meant to be stale, stagnant, or boring. If your life is stale, stagnant, and boring and you're a believer, you're doing it wrong. Our peace is to be like a river. It's to be active, moving, and trusting. Now, church, this is very similar to the way that we should be waiting for the return of Christ as well. The concept of waiting is not a popular one, is it? Anybody like waiting? Anybody love the DMV? People work there, they don't love it either. Right? If you see somebody working at the DMV and they're smiling, having good attitude, you know that's a believer. You just go right up and have a prayer meeting. Hallelujah. The concept of waiting is not a popular one. See, in the 1970s, the microwave arguably became the main hallmark of how much we despise to wait. 
right? Just nuke it. That's what my dad used to always say. Let's just nuke it. And I'm like, Dad, you worked in the military too long. That's weird. <laughs> dad, I don't want to eat anything that's been nuked. No napalm, no nuking. That's disgusting. See, we find waiting so distasteful. In fact, there are entire industries devoted to diminishing our waiting. Especially us Americans. Right? Amazon has this two-day shipping that has turned us into an ex this has turned into an expectation instead of a novelty. If it takes longer than two days, you're like, what's going on? That's how it used to be. See, online TV has standardized instant gratification. Why? Because mostly it doesn't have any commercials. Sometimes we turn on the radio instead of like listening to a, uh, music on our phone or something, and, and my daughter or my son will go, can you turn it to this song? I'm like, no, that's not how the radio works. <laughs> well, just, Dad, just put a different song on. I don't really like the song. No, you have to change the channel. You, you get what you get, what comes through, and they just they don't understand. You know why we don't like waiting? Because it's hard. It's hard. Does anyone else in here deal with impatience? Some of y'all just wish I'd be done preaching because you're so impatient. <laughs> right? I, I have so many things to do, but I cannot last an hour and 45 minutes at church hearing about God. I got other things to do. I'm so impatient. By the way, you're going to hate heaven. It's all about God up there, by the way. It's all about Jesus. And Okay. But here's the good thing. You'll have a lot more patience up there. See, oftentimes waiting is the hardest part. But should hard things be avoided? The Christian life tells us that waiting is, an, is in fact an integral part of God's creative order. See, the season of Advent is a celebration of a time of waiting. Waiting for the coming of the Savior of the world. Waiting for the promised Prince of Peace. Now today is Christmas Eve. Woo! The day we've all been waiting for is almost here. All the decorating, all the preparations, all the shopping. Everything has led up to this moment. Even all the hustle and the bustle and the glamour and the lights. I want you to ask yourself a question. What have you been waiting for? What is mostly on your mind this season? Come on, pastor, that ain't fair. Life ain't fair. I grew up hearing that, my goodness. Any parent here say that to your kids? Oh, they got this and they got that, it's not fair. It's like, life ain't fair. You get 10 days off of school, I gotta go to work. Maybe that was just me this week, I don't know, okay? I heard confession's good for the soul. I feel better right now. Hallelujah. <laughs> Christmas Eve has finally come. 
And we're gathered in celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ, the promised Messiah. The Prince of Peace is the true reason we are here. And because we've waited all year long for this day, we have a small, very small picture of what God's people went through before Jesus was born. The Old Testament's full of prophetic words about the coming Messiah, the one who would arrive in the future to save God's people from their sins and free them from oppression. These promises were read over and over and over and over again. They were spoken as a reminder that God had not forgotten about his people. You know, God hasn't forgotten about you. See, it gave them a great peace and a strong hope, even though their wait was very long. Very long. Now, when we read through the Old Testament scriptures, we find that, though it may have seemed to Israel at times that God had forgotten about them, what we know now is this, right? It's so much easier to, to look back and see what God did than it is to see what God's doing right now, right? When you're in the middle of all of it, it's tough, isn't it? It's easy to look back and say, ah, <laughs> that's what God did. I see that now. Oh, that's where God was. Or, or I, I know when God went, went through this and I went through that and he, and he, he led me through. I, I remember that. See, God was doing some things. And they read over and over again about this promised Messiah that was coming. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. They spoke this as a reminder. And, 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 and they're like saying, God, you haven't forgot about us, have you? See, now what we know as we look back and we see that God was working in them and through them the whole time. Church, God works in our waiting. God was teaching his people to rely on him in the wilderness. God was teaching his people and he was forming them into the faithful people when they went to the church house, when they went to the temple. He was building them into a great nation from which the good news of the Messiah's birth would come. See, in the waiting, God was birthing great things in and through their lives. It was hard. I can't even imagine how hard. But God was up to something. God is always working in our waiting. He's working in your life right now while you're waiting for that, that promise. If God's given you a promise and you believe it's from God and you know it's from God, He's working and you're waiting. He has not forgotten about you. Now we live in the age of impatience. In the age which tries to cut out and do away with the natural season of growth. Church, be careful not to impatiently abort the process of maturity. The process which God is using to grow you. Be careful not to be impatient and jump prematurely right into the promises he's waiting to birth out of you. You got to grow fruits before you can use your gifts. Why? Because we're all called to actively and patiently wait. 
We waited this long for Christmas. Here we are. It's almost here. How many of you have been waiting for that promise? May I prophesy to that for a moment? It's almost here. Don't give up. Do not become weary. That promise God has given you. He's working in your waiting. Amen? In a certain sense, the entire story of God's people told in the Old Testament. This is after Adam and Eve fell and humankind and the world started dying. In a certain sense, the entire story of God's people in the Old Testament can be summed up as this. A time of waiting. Right? We messed up. We're dying. I keep passing that on generation after generation, generation after generation. We are waiting for him to redeem us. We're waiting for the promised Messiah. He must come and make things all right again. See, the New Testament begins with the long-awaited incarnation of God. Mary, she gives birth to Jesus in a stable in Bethlehem. She wraps Emmanuel in, in cloths and, and she lays him in a manger, just as the prophets had foretold. The hard and the long wait was finally over. Jesus, Emmanuel, our Savior, is born. Jesus grew into a man, and he was faithful to God during all his years of ministry. He was humble and obedient, even to death on a cross. After his death, he was laid in a tomb, and for three days, the world held its breath. The world waited while God was working. Then early that glorious Sunday morning, Jesus was resurrected from the dead. Amen. He appeared to his disciples and he promised that even though he was going to go to heaven to be with his father, he would, Jesus would return one day. Amen. Now the final moments of Jesus speaking to his disciples before he ascended into heaven are captured in the book of Acts. In chapter 1, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the first books of the Bible called the Gospels. And then the next one's the book of Acts. And that book is all about what, what happened when the church became the church. And if you ever want to know what the church should look like and not look like, read the book of Acts. If we go to Acts chapter 1, verses 9, 10, and 11, it says this. After saying this, this is Jesus. He was taken up into a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. Whoop. They're like, still see him. Ah, it's a seagull, right? He's gone. Verse 10 says, As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. They're like, What? And this is what they say, men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he'll return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Come on. 
Pentecostals love this part. <laughs> we love this part, right? There's like 120 in the upper room, and then there's the stuff like this. We're like, ah. But just like that, Emmanuel was gone. The Prince of Peace ascended into heaven. The disciples, they stared into the sky wondering, okay, now what do we do? You ever feel like that with God? Well, now what do I do? Sometimes I feel like that. Well, now what do I do? Right? I don't just want to be a preacher. What is God calling me to do? I want to be a preacher, but there's more to life. There's so much more. You know you're all called to be preachers, right? You don't need a pulpit to preach. So I'm going to randomly pick somebody right now. Next Sunday, I'm playing. I'm just playing. Where are you guys going? <laughs> Church, the Prince of Peace ascended into heaven. The disciples stared into the sky wondering, what do we do next? The Bible says that these angels, these two men in white robes, speak to them and they ask them, why are you standing and staring into the sky? It's as if they're telling them, there's work to be done. Do you not remember? He just told you the Great Commission. Stop staring into heaven. There are hurting people who need to hear about the hope of the resurrection. Stop standing and get moving. You know, there's more to Jesus than just his birth and his death. The angels said that Jesus will return one day just as he left. See, church, at this moment, this began a new season of waiting. It's a season we find ourselves in right now, today. The waiting between his ascension and then his final coming. Now, the word advent is taken from the Latin word adventus, meaning coming. So if Christ is indeed coming again, then we must Prepare for his arrival. Right? I want to remind you this morning that one day Jesus is coming back. He is. He's going to come back. He'll return to make all things right and restore his creation to perfection. And when he arrives, there'll be no more sorrow. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more wars, no more chaos, no more unrest, no more injustice, and no more death. Soon Jesus, the Prince of Peace, will return as the Savior King. When Jesus comes again, he's going to make all things right. But can we be real? I like to be real. I think church should be real. Amen? Can I be real for a moment? Okay. We can all agree on this. Waiting is not easy. It's not easy. I'm doing my very best not to tear open all the presents and see what they look like while my wife is sleeping and then repackage them. But I know I cannot even do close to the wrapping she can do so she'll know something is up. <laughs> I'm not the greatest at waiting. I'd love to see all the future promises that God has given us become a reality right now. That'd be nice. But God knows what he's doing and God is working in our waiting. So church, you know what we're supposed to do when he's working in our waiting? We're supposed to be getting prepared. 
start preparing. Even though we may not see it all right now, we cannot just stand around staring into heaven and counting down the minutes for Jesus to return. The good news of Christ needs to be shared in word and in deed. You got to have peace like a river. And you got to get going. Right? Rivers move. Get to going, church. Now, the Bible teaches us that we don't know the day or the hour of the second coming. Right? We can't mark this on our calendar like we do for Christmas, although a lot of scholars believe Christmas is in the summer sometime. But we do mark something down and, and we remember the first arrival of Jesus. What we can do while we wait is we can watch for the signs. Right? Read the Bible. Have you ever heard a preacher say that? Have you ever heard me say that before? Read the Bible. I don't know much about God. Well, then read His Word. I don't feel His presence. Then get in His Word. I don't know what to do in life. Then read His Word. I'm feeling lonely, hurt, and broken. I'm lost, and, I'm, and I don't got peace in my life. Read His Word. I don't know what to expect, what's coming up. Then read His Word. And you got to understand we're getting much closer to the second advent. You must live with an eternal perspective while you wait. You must, church, listen to this. You must know the second, the prophecies of the second advent, like all the other believers knew the prophecies for the first advent. Did you hear me? Right? Think, think of all the believers for all those years in the Old Testament. They knew all the expectations. Hey, this guy named Isaiah, Isaiah that he talked about this, and all these books that we read, and all this stuff that we know, and, and we heard about Adam and Eve, and, and, they, and they caused all these problems, and all these things, and we need a redeemer to come, and there's been prophet after prophet after prophecy, and that he is coming to redeem mankind. And in the, in the Old Testament, believers, right, followers of God, they knew those prophecies. Number one, they knew it because they read it on their own. Number two, or they memorized it. Number two, people were telling them about it when's the last time you told a prophecy about the second coming of Christ to someone else Ross I'm not talking to you he said 10 minutes ago that means you were talking during the sermon so <laughs> oh, come on Ross anyone else but Ross anyone anybody but hear me, church. Hear me, church. We got to be people prepared like the people were prepared when Jesus came in a manger. We got to be people that are prepared that he's coming in the clouds. Hebrews 9.28 says this. So also Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again not to deal with our sins, right? Because he's already done that. Jesus in the manger died on a cross, came for our sins. But he will come again not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting for him. When Jesus returns on that glorious day, the purpose will be to save those who are eagerly anticipating and waiting for his second advent. Church is going to be incredible. But here begs some questions as I get closer to the ending. 
Here begs some questions. Are you eagerly and actively waiting for Jesus to come again? If you're excited for Christmas, which is the first Advent, shouldn't we be just as excited for the second? I told you it going to be a little different this morning. Do you believe each day as if the second Advent is imminent? Because the believers hundreds or thousands of years ago believed that first Advent was imminent. See, what people believe about the second coming of Christ will impact their hope, their joy, their love, and their peace in their everyday lives. Just like it did for all the people in the Old Testament when they were hoping for the first. Amen? God wants our peace to go from a noun into a verb. Just like He wants our waiting to go from a noun to a verb. If you have peace like a river in your life, and if you are actively waiting for the King of Kings, all your years here on earth will not be wasted. You hear me? They will not be wasted. Church, spend your time actively waiting for the return of Emmanuel. Brent, will you please come? So here we are. It's Christmas Eve. Woo! 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 Sounds really weird in here. Sounds like Planet of the Apes or something. It's weird. <laughs> it's a weird movies. Those are weird. Anyway. Christmas Eve! Here we are! Tomorrow's Christmas! Amen? The first advent of Christ is tomorrow. The Messiah has come. John 3, 17 says, God sent His Son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through Him. Hallelujah. While we sing our festive songs together this morning and we celebrate the saving grace that was given to us through the birth of Jesus, we must remember that there are people we see each and every day who have never, church, they have never heard that God sent Emmanuel to save their souls and free them from sin and death. Church, you've got to share the first advent with the lost while you actively wait and prepare for the second advent. Jesus' birth and his sacrifice on a cross is the greatest gift that has ever been given. Jesus is the reason why we celebrate today. Behold, a Savior is born. Now as I close, we're going to take our final minutes together this morning. We're going to give honor to the true meaning of Christmas. Love came down and he made his home among us. Emmanuel, the Prince of Peace, the Savior of the world, Jesus has come.